You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> uh, we made it to a Thursday. It's hour one, Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. The great Jay Billis will join us coming up. We got more details on Zion Williamson's court case about alleged improper benefits his family took while he was at Duke. That could be the last great scandal in college basketball. Not that you were waiting for the last great college basketball scandal, but we'll talk to Jay Billis about that. He also had some strong opinions about Dabo Sweeney at Clemson and also Reggie Bush being disassociated from USC for 10 years, and now he's back, and Reggie Bush wants his Heisman Trophy back as well. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to our radio and TV partners, youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. You can watch all three hours and the Fox Sports Radio lineup. Make sure you take care of your family. No matter what happens, you want your loved ones taken care of. That's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. I mentioned Zion Williamson. Jay Billis will talk about that situation. Athletes will be able to profit off their own image. That's why the rules are changing soon here. That means a lot of the elite players will go straight to the NBA and the rest will be able to make money through marketing deals. Although it feels like the schools, the athletic directors and coaches are trying to prevent that. This says, and we've talked about the potential for an unprecedented scandal because this involves Duke now. And this is like if somebody said uh, Derek Jeter's use uh, use steroids, you'd go, okay, now you got my attention. Duke has been above the fray, whether they're guilty or not here. But perception-wise, Duke has been above the fray. The other big-time college programs, it can be Kansas, it can be Syracuse, it can be Kentucky, it can be Louisville. They've all fallen under this cloud of controversy. Williamson is being sued by a former marketing representative. But the information that comes out could make the program look very bad. It came out yesterday that Zion's parents moved into a more expensive house and drove three luxury cars after Zion got to campus. Now, this is allegedly long way to go in the case, if it even goes to trial. Do you have Mike Krzyzewski? Is he deposed here? It's new territory for Duke, but just as the days of punishing programs for uh, transgressions start to become a thing of the past, this one is front and center. So we'll talk to Billis about this, that I said I would not be surprised. Very little surprises me anymore in in this business, in this world that I've worked in for over 30 years. And this wouldn't surprise me. As I said before, do we love Coach K? Yes, I always appreciate him coming on the program. Always. He's great. That doesn't exonerate you from kind of blending in with everybody else in uh, college athletics. And that is maybe he didn't know. Maybe there was something that went on. Maybe a booster took care of him. These are the the, uh, alleged uh, payments there that took place. And uh, so just to be fair to it, I'm not here to say Coach K and Duke is guilty, are guilty. I am, as I pointed out before, If Kansas has an assistant coach on record as saying, hey, this is what it's going to take to get Zion to go to Kansas, why would I assume then if somebody's asking for something there that they wouldn't be asking for something some other place? Because you could have gone to Duke from the beginning and not not gotten involved in any of this. 
That's why you have to look at this and say, let me just apply logic. Do I think that Zion Williamson got taken care of at Duke? I do. Now, did he get taken care of by Nike? Perhaps. A booster? Perhaps. Athletic department? I don't know. Coach K, I don't know. But this might come out if we go further that this won't be about Zion Williamson as much as it's going to be about Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. But we'll talk to Billis about this. Get his thoughts on Duke, the involvement here. How big a story is this? Because it feels like, and I was not accused of this, but it was mentioned to me when I said I was going to have Billis on. We were going to talk about Zion. And uh, I had somebody, a friend who said, well, who works in the business. Well, isn't this just a big story because you either like Duke or hate Duke? And I said, well, I think it's bigger than that. It's not just Zion and Duke and Mike Krzyzewski and you want Duke to go down. This is maybe the last basketball scandal like this because if you're good, you're going right to the pros soon. Once they get rid of the one and done, you're going right to the pros. And then if you're staying, okay, am I going to be you know, spending money getting your parents' housing? Am I going to give them cars? And you know, Maybe to a lesser degree, but this is a big deal. At least it feels like it's a big deal. Now, the Kansas thing, when's the last time somebody brought that up? I still don't know what they're guilty of. Were there any punishments there? These other assistant coaches, guys went to prison, but nothing happens to the head coach here. Somehow these head coaches who are control freaks don't know what's happening with their assistant coaches, which I find interesting. Hmm. But... All right, we'll talk about that. Now, there's a lot of things to talk about, though. Baseball with the commissioner, 100%. He says we're playing baseball. Okay. I would love it if he would have said 100% guarantee, and if not, I'm stepping down. Now you got my attention. So 100%, okay. Let me wait and see what happens. Here is the commissioner of Major League Baseball talking about baseball is coming back. We're going to play baseball in 2020, 100%. If it has to be under the March 26th agreement, if we get to that point in the calendar, so be it. But one way or the other, we're playing Major League Baseball. All right, here we go. (laughs) It wasn't, I I don't think it was greeted with a round of applause there. I I don't know if anybody was inspired by it. It was like, we're playing baseball. Now we're playing 50 games? All right, let's come back. Let me know. I, I I want to mention something that I brought up, and I don't even know what day it is. Sometimes I don't want month it is, but I brought this up a while ago, and a source told me this, that baseball, and I kept telling you 4th of July, 4th of July, 4th of July, and what I was told is that baseball was considering starting with the All-Star game on July 4th in Los Angeles. Follow me here. You would have had Mike Trout and Cody Bellinger pick their teams, and you would have had an all-star game of sorts. It basically, like Little League, when Little League starts its first day and you have the big ceremony pomp and circumstance, that's what baseball was considering, I was told. Now, if you think about it, what a better there's not a better way to open up the baseball season. Given that there's bad blood here, you know, the fans are just saying, wait a minute, you know, are you guys, how much are you interested, you know, into playing? How many games are you going to play? What about us? You know, all of those things. How about if you had an all-star game and maybe you take the all-stars from last year's team? I don't know how you would get your all-stars, but what I was told is 
Trout and Bellinger could pick their teams and you would have kind of a ceremonial opening day. And it would just be an all-star game where you would have guys, everybody gets a chance to play. It was just a more of a reintroduction to Major League Baseball. I still think it's a great idea. I don't know if it's going to happen because I don't know where baseball is and trying to get everybody in a central location in Los Angeles or some other place. But that's what I was told. I thought it was a great idea because then we could appreciate the stars and, and, and that's why we watch the game. And you would have that season kickoff. All eyes would be on it, 4th of July, and then you disperse and you go into your rivalry games. You have the Red Sox and the Yankees, Dodgers and the Giants, Cardinals and the Cubs. You know, then you can celebrate baseball. And baseball needs to be celebrated. Or we have to have something to celebrate. But that was just an, uh, an idea that was told to me by a baseball source. And this is probably two months ago, I think I brought it up on the show. And then Paulie reminded me, he goes, remember you were talking about that 4th of July? And why don't you bring that up again? I go, oh, my God, how long ago did I bring that up? And I just thought that'd be a fun way, you know, and maybe maybe the players would be into it. I just don't think the players are going to do anything to help the owners. If they're forced to come back, then I don't know if you're going to get that same. Hey, let's help out the sport here. It, battle lines are drawn here. Yeah, Paulie. I sent around a poll question earlier, which starts uh, first, baseball or the NBA? And I, I'm being a little facetious because I think everyone thinks that baseball will start early to mid-July, but that, that's really close. And it seems doesn't seem like baseball has a lot more logistics of the health side and travel and coordination with 25 players than NBA does with the one location? Well, I thought that until yesterday when we started to get some of these details here where there's a faction of NBA players who are concerned about playing. I thought the NBA was all buttoned up. I thought we were playing basketball at the end of July. Here's a couple of things. Brian Windhorst and Adrian Wojnarowski have had some great stuff on this. And uh, Brian Windhorst on his podcast was talking about, is the bubble safer than not being in the bubble? Does Greg Popovich at age 71 get to coach? Every player in coach's medical history is going to be reviewed. That could be an issue. Privacy issues. James Harden has asthma. Is that an issue? Adrian Wojnarowski reports that players on 22 teams who don't go and can't prove medical history don't get paid, but the players on the eight teams who didn't qualify do get paid. Is that fair? Do they play the anthem before the games with no fans? And is that part of the TV coverage of this? Do they show the anthem before the games? What about players whose partners are pregnant? What happens if players have to go to the hospital to get an MRI? Do they get quarantined? Oh, but wait, there's more. The NBA might lock reporters inside the Disney bubble for three and a half months. If you leave, you don't get back in. Yes, McLove. Would you want that? I, I think I asked that yesterday, but that'd be a dream as a 25-year-old reporter. Uh, I don't know. It'd make me nervous. You have unbelievable access, and I don't think the insiders are going to go. I don't know how much access you're going to get. Now, I was told by somebody who covers the NBA, and uh, he said, you know, don't attach my name because I don't know if I'm going to go cover this, but we're not going to get as much access as we're being told. Or you would think that we're all in one resort area because the media might not be where the players are, that the players are going to be quarantined someplace else. There are a lot of questions here. 
And you've got some bigger names who are starting to question about this. Carmelo Anthony came out and said this. Hey, I'm not quite sure about this. I, it, it felt like the NBA had all the answers. They were buttoned up. And then we realized they're not close, it feels like. There's a lot of questions here. Yeah, Paul. I was. You just said something about if the media is at a different hotel than the players. If I were a media member and we were sequestered at the same hotel as the players and we could do, like if you're Adrian Wojnarowski and the guys at ESPN, you could do a, a show in the hotel lobby and you just start bringing players down and doing, uh, you know, kind of a renegade style shows every night, you know, live from the hotel lobby. That'd be fantastic. If you don't have access to the players, I would never go. Yeah, I don't know what access you're going to have, but I was told by somebody in the media yesterday, we're not going to have the access that you would think. But if you did, then that would be great because you would just camp out in the lobby and if you saw somebody, you would uh, be able to sit down with them or ask them a couple of questions. Yeah, see. Well, yeah, I'm sure that from the player side of things, there has to be some kind of like privacy concerns or something. You know, like you have to have time when you're not being watched and you're not on. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, if I'm the NBA... I can't have the media in the same hotel as the players. But if I'm a member of the media, then you're going, well, why am I going there? How much access are you going to give us to these players? But these are a lot of questions from high-end NBA reporters, you know, Woj and uh, Brian Windhorst. Does Tim Duncan become the head coach of the Spurs if Greg Popovich at age 71 is not allowed to go? Mike D'Antoni is in his late 60s. Is he allowed to go? Alvin Gentry in his mid-60s. There's a lot here. Yeah, McLovin. I read that it, legally you cannot tell the older coaches that they're not allowed to go. Like, I think that there's protections that they, they can't say you can't go. And, like, remember Silver kind of walked that, Adam Silver, the commissioner, walked that back yes. a little bit. Yes. Would you expect them to be there? Yes. Are you, are you going to tell Greg Popovich you can't go? They don't have a chance. Well, they have a chance, but they have a very small chance to win the title. And you know what? He's at age 71. How much longer is he going to coach here? And you're going to tell Pop, hey, you can't go? That ain't happening. Yeah, McLevin. But they have, without LaMarcus Aldridge, they have no chance at all. Oh, I know. But you're not going to tell him he has no chance. Or you're not going to tell him you can't go. Especially him, right? Yes. He seems a bit headstrong. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Todd. But as long as they have something, I guess, that says, you know, in the paperwork or the contract, you know, enter or coach at your own risk so the NBA can't get sued, why would they, why would they stop someone from coaching? Well, I think you're going to have to sign something to go in there, but they're going to make the, you know, the medical records, is, that's tricky too. You know, you got privacy issues here. So as much as we want to go, the NBA is coming back at the end of July. They might be, but then they might not be. They had it all planned out, and you feel like they had these things covered. That's why when baseball goes, hey, this is just about money. Is it just about money? That's the big hurdle for getting everybody back? Or is it about safety? Is it about getting people tested? Is it There's, there's so much underneath the water here. The undercurrent here, the undertow is probably pretty strong or stronger than what you think. It's not just, hey, we wrap this up, we're playing this many games, and you get paid this. There's no fans, but we're going to have baseball. I don't think it's that easy. Yeah, McLovin. Why does the NFL not seem to have to worry about any of these problems? Just because they go next, they have some time to see what's going on? Well, yeah, and you're having eight home games, eight road games. And then, I mean, that could be, that feels like an eternity. We're, what, three months into this today. 
Isn't it three months to the day that Rudy Gobert walked off the court? Yes, 11th, 12th, yeah. Yeah. Where are we going to be in three months? You know, so July, August, when we get to September, where are we going to be? Yeah, Paul. I think there's a, uh, you're, we're choosing to be naive or in denial with the NFL season. We're not, we don't want to talk about college football and NFL problems and issues because we're hoping they don't happen. You know, there's a lot of people in this country who don't mind if the NBA players are not and baseball players are not, but football is the king and, and no one even wants to touch that football will be touched by this uh, virus. Yeah, it's just, it, that feels like an eternity. It feels like it was an eternity with Rudy Gobert. It feels like it's forever when the NFL season starts. And what do we have? Less than 100 days before opening night. Yeah, McLovin. I saw some funny tweets yesterday. All these reporters who haven't watched a baseball game in 15 years are angry because baseball is not coming back. <laughs> that they never touched the sport before. <laughs> you know, they're, I know you watch full games, but oh, a lot of no. people in the media don't watch full games. So it's like... All right, uh, you got a poll question? I like that who comes back MLB or NBA first and then maybe do later in the show. If you're, say, Carmelo Anthony, would you want to play in the bubble? I'm curious about the fringe teams. Like, if you're on a fringe team, do you really want to sequester for all that time? Well, you're not going to be playing that long. Yeah, but you have to go uh, three weeks before, I think. Yeah, but if you're the Bucks or the Lakers or the Clippers, then you're in it for the long haul. What if you're Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and you're injured? Do you go then? I think you have to stay there. They they want to go apparently. Well, if they want to go, then go. But, you but know, if I'm injured, well, Durant is not. I mean, he's he's ready to play. It's just he's not going to be able to play. But I don't know if you show your team support. Maybe that's what he's doing. So uh, the can't leave part seems tough. Yes, right? it does. And if you leave, you can't come back. Like if you go to Disney, don't they give you something when you leave, and then you could come back that day? Oh, fast pass! You get, all the players have little pink fast passes on their hands. So no, can, fast pass is oh. when you're in there, oh. and then you get to go to the front of the line. They stamp your hand or something, yeah. like a picture of Goofy to let you know that day. <laughs> that purple Goofy means you're good for the day. When they put you under the light there, you know, when all of a sudden LeBron comes back in and got to see your stamp. Yeah, Paul. Just to give you an idea of the dates, is the NBA coming back? Is it July 28th or something right around there? Somewhere, I think it's the last weekend yeah. of July. July 25th of 2019, there were 62 MLB games left. So if the MLB had a 62-game season, you could expect a start date of July 25th. That doesn't seem not reasonable right now. And these owners are dead set about getting into November. They, they, they want to make sure that October, there's two things. They want to make sure they get a postseason. It feels like the owners are going to give players their money. We want to make sure we have a postseason. We don't want a second wave of the coronavirus, from what I'm told. And the further we go in to late October, November, that's when they're worried about it. They want to make sure that they get their postseason in because then the owners can recoup some money. But just when you thought that there was good news, uh, golf is back. Golf is back today. The Charles Schwab Challenge in uh, Fort Worth at Colonial is back. (laughs) <laughs> Who would have thought that when you said, man, I can't wait for the Masters, a PGA, British, the Schwab, <laughs> <laughs> the Howie Schwab challenge there. Oh, we got golf today. Hey, I'm going to watch. Wait, where it should be on my monitor. Do we have golf right now? I got to I got to see. Can you guys check golf channel and see if I got golf here? I forgot all about it. I got nothing. I got some taped uh, event. Oh. 
What do you have? Bag, the Legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah, it's it's always on the on Golf Channel Tim when Cup. when they're filling up filling time. It's the Legend of Bagger Vance, and then or Tin Cup, and then MLB <laughs> Network gives you Bull Durham. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Jay Billis will join us coming up. We'll talk about the Zion situation, Dabo Sweeney's comments, and Reggie Bush being welcomed back by USC. That's coming up next, 21 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. McLovin promises a poll question here. I was just talking to Pauly about Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was on the herd yesterday and says he wants his Heisman back. Do we know where Reggie Bush's Heisman trophy is, Paulie? Find out after Jay Bill. Really? Is that good? Wow. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because this is what I was told, that they don't have tons of Heismans just sitting around. It's not like a car dealer where he's got, there's a Heisman, a row of Heismans there. I'm thinking, you get that Heisman back, all I do is pop off the plate that says Reggie Bush, and I put on somebody else who wins it now. Do you want me to wait for your answer? I don't there, know if Paul? it's that good. I could do it now. No, we'll wait because okay. I got Jay Billis. There's in, a bit of a backstory. I, I got Jay in a suit and tie, and I well, he's got a. I don't know if he's got pants on there, but where are you right now, Jay? I am. Uh, I'm at home actually, and the, this isn't just a suit and tie. These are my pajamas. <laughs> you you get out of bed like that. Yeah, or I get out of bed, go to bed. You know, it's just sort of standard. I like, mean, I'm more of a formal character than you are. Like a tearaway uh, suit and tie. I like that. All right, where do you stand on Reggie Bush? Now, I guess, you know, the 10 years are up, so he's welcome back. The disassociation, they vacated that award. Do you think Reggie Bush should get his Heisman Trophy back? Well, first of all, uh, yes, I do. But I don't. I don't think they vacated. I think he gave, voluntarily gave it back. And so he I didn't mean, voluntarily I, I him, give I, it back. I think he did. I think he gave it back to the, to the Heisman trust. Uh, I don't think they stripped him of it. I think he gave it back, but, but I may be wrong there, but, but I will tell you that if I were in charge at USC, I would retire his number immediately. And I would put the Heisman that they have, uh, back in Heritage Hall, and I would put his number back, his jersey back in Heritage Hall, where it was when this whole thing happened, because that whole thing was a travesty. And it's not a question of whether his family took money down in San Diego or whatever. Uh, that was one of the uh, most corrupt investigations the NCAA's ever gone through. Um, Paul D, the yeah. uh, former athletic director of Miami, was the chair of the committee. That was the the harshest sanctions since SMU got the death penalty in 1980, 86, 87, something like that. And, and a year later, Miami was in the crosshairs and Paul, Paul D said, well, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, it, it was the hypocrisy of the highest level. I, I've never seen anything like that. I don't know if I, and Reggie was stripped from, we were way too involved in this, by the way, Jay, that's why I can tell you with uh, firsthand knowledge, but they, they sent him one of those prepaid, crates to ship his Heisman. They wanted it back. They stripped him of it. I just don't know if the Heisman's going to give it back to him. They should. I mean, he won it. And, you know, it's one of these things, Dan, where, where look, we could go you know, down the rabbit hole on, on amateurism, but it would be like me asking all of, all of you guys, did, did you ever, did you ever drink before you were of age of legal age? 
I can only speak for myself. And the answer was obviously no. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I mean, look, I, I'm going. I asked the question almost rhetorically, but but that's what amateurism is. It, it, it's you know, you're, you're asking, did, did these players ever take anything before they got to college or while they're in college? And the truth is, almost every good player did, and and there are differing levels of it. But, but, you know, the idea that somehow Reggie Bush was taken out and made to be this kind of example and shamed. And then I find disassociation to be horribly cruel and, and hardly a useful sanction at all. I think it's an awful thing to do to an athlete uh, that they, you know, hey, when we're talking about paying players, they say, well, they're just kids. And then, and then, you know, when, when it's disassociation, they're adults that knew what they were doing. And I, I just think the whole thing's awful. Okay, but can we make parallels? Are there the beginning signs of a parallel with Zion Williamson that Reggie Bush didn't pay this back uh, to this marketing uh, team and then they went public with this? With Zion Williamson, you got an agent or marketing firm here and they feel snubbed here. Do you see any parallels? Of course there are parallels. I mean, it's it's sort of the same, uh, same kind of looking issue. Uh, now, this one's being played out in court, and there's a, uh, a statute uh, in North Carolina called the Uniform Athletes Agent Act that is at issue. Uh, and, and so the, the marketing agent is trying to claim that, that by virtue of maybe taking something, whether allegedly, uh, Zion Williamson was exempt from that, and that the contract is, is valid. And then Williamson's lawyers and Williamson are arguing that, no, I was playing, therefore I was, uh, I was eligible and the contract is void. I mean, so it's, it's all going to turn on whether the contract was, was considered legit or not underneath this, uh, under uh, this uh, uh, UAAA in North Carolina. I know you went to Duke and assistant coach there. Would you be surprised if this story was true? I, I would not be surprised if any story was true about an athlete taking taking money or an athlete's family taking money without the athlete knowing about it. I would not be surprised in any regard. Um, and that's that's true of whether it was it's Zion Williamson or you name any other player. I would not be surprised at all because there's an underground black market in college sports and there has been forever. Dan, I mean, we've talked about this before. This has been going on for for 50, 60, 70 years or longer. And the the delivery methods have changed. It used to be boosters. Uh, You know, now it's more shoe companies, agents and the like. Um, But the NCAA has been running around with mall cops all this time trying to stop (laughs) it and then claiming if they don't find it, that it doesn't exist. And so when something like this does come up, then they shame whomever it is and act like, look what, look what we just did. And, and it's not going on anywhere else when they know it's happening. They absolutely know it's happening. And, uh, and so I, I don't know the right, it's almost like, like you feel like you're, um, you're condoning, you know, like doping and cycling because everybody's doing it. I, I'm not, I'm just saying that, that, that look, the idea that this is, this is rare. It's not. And what winds up happening is fan bases, if it's their player, they will defend them to the hilt mm-hmm. and, and overlook any, any damning evidence. If it's their rival or someone else, then they look at any sliver of, of, of something incriminating. They say, see, I told you our rivals were cheaters. 
And it's really incredible how this system works. And it's been allowed to go on forever and ever when it should be just opened up and let the players let the players uh, earn or accept whatever they can in the marketplace, just like everybody else. Let's bring it above board and, and have it be normal business, pay taxes. Everything's great. It's not that it's not that big of a deal. Everybody knows it's going on. How do you think this ends up? This does this case go to trial? No, I think it I think ultimately it's going to be dismissed because the way the statute reads and who knows how how a court is going to interpret it finally. But the way the statute reads, if you play, if you are eligible to play or if you could be eligible to play in the future, uh, that means that that you're part of this act and, and protected. And Zion Williamson played. And so, you know, the 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 marketing agent is trying to say, no, he was really ineligible. So so the contract is valid. And and I'm not I don't think the court is going to see it that way. But but if it if it winds up getting dismissed on those grounds on summary judgment, um, then Williamson will never have to testify, never have to cooperate, never have to talk to, to the NCAA. And, and it'll it'll go away in that regard. Um, that's what I think is going to happen, or it, it could settle. It's just a lot of money at issue yeah. uh, for, for a settlement. Do you think damage done, though, in some ways with Duke that you know nobody has been found guilty here, but just the story that came out, the information that came out, that he, you know, his parents got the benefit of a better house. They had three luxury cars there. So just the, I know we use the word optics, but just this view of this, feels like Duke is like everybody else. Well, in regard to you have no idea, like the schools can't control what happens with the players. Um, Duke is just like everybody else. Uh, I don't, you know, nobody, nobody's arguing that Duke had any knowledge and or involvement in this. Uh, Similarly, I, I wouldn't argue that some of these other schools that have ineligible players that they were involved in that, but no, nobody, no coach, no school can claim that they know exactly what their players are doing all the time. But I would tell you this, I'll tell you where this is going to be really interesting is Kansas right now is in front of the, the, the NCAA. It, it's going to go to this independent uh, panel rather than the Committee on Infractions. That's sort of in the weeds on the NCAA judicial system. But Zion Williamson's name's involved in that, yeah. that, that there are text messages uh, that have to do with Williamson and Adidas. And the NCAA is trying to say that Adidas was a booster for Kansas. And so the implication is, all right, if Adidas was trying to get involved to, to provide uh, money to Williamson's family, then so we think that other shoe companies wouldn't be involved in that, that Adidas was just bidding against themselves. So the NCAA is going to have themselves an issue when people are going to go, well, wait a minute, why, did you, why aren't you looking into that? Or why is it just here? Uh, and, and of course they'll have no, they'll, they'll be able to say, well, we had, we had court documents in this other one. We don't in this. Um, so it, it, there are a lot of questions and it's sort of the mall cop theory, like the, the NCAA really has no ability to police this. And, and, but yet when they put themselves into a case, um, you know, they make themselves look bad in a lot of different ways. He's Jay Billis, ESPN's college basketball analyst, put your lawyer hat on the, uh, Confederate flag controversy here with NASCAR and First Amendment rights. If you want to bring in a Confederate flag, uh, you know, private property, but protected speech. How does that factor into these races, do you think, as we move on? 
Well, you're, you're not allowed, you know, the First Amendment uh, uh, protects you from government intrusion. So the government can't sanction you or have a prior restraint on you. Uh, but that doesn't, as you as you said, it doesn't go to, to sort of private conduct. So so NASCAR can say what can and cannot come in to their their venues. Uh, so that, that that's not a problem on, on First Amendment grounds. Um, and I don't know why this is a controversy, but but it, it almost goes to kind of the Kaepernick Drew Brees um, uh, comparison. You know, that there are people on different sides of the political spectrum that will say, look at what's happening to Drew Brees. The mob is coming after him and, and he was forced to apologize. Well, he was not forced to apologize. He got from one side of the debate the same thing that Colin Kaepernick got on the other side of the debate. And Kaepernick didn't apologize. Um, that's what free speech really is, is if I say something, you are free to counter it with with your free speech right. And then you're free to say, hey, let's not let's let's boycott. Uh, you can do all that stuff. Now, there are limits to that. The NFL may have may have violated certain certain uh, rights that, that Kaepernick had, arguably. Um, but but as far as what the public does, uh, th there's no problem with that. And there's zero problem for a First Amendment ground on what uh, what NASCAR uh, NASCAR is doing. And the only problem with it is it came decades too late. I know you had some comments about Dabo Sweeney and the stand or lack of a stand that he took with this issue. Did you want to talk about that? Well, it wasn't just the stand. It was, it was that 14 minute statement he had. And it was, it was not about like Dabo Sweeney's a great guy. Nobody's, nobody's arguing about his pure heart. He's a great guy with a pure heart. It was just sort of coaches talk all the time about accountability and they talk about, you know, taking responsibility and and don't make excuses and all that. And I felt that he made a lot of excuses in that and there was no accountability to it. But just take the T-shirt thing, the football matters T-shirt. All right. I understand that that football matters T-shirt was from the National Football Foundation, that they started that campaign in 2014 after the Black Lives Matter movement started. But to wear it now yeah. is is insensitive and and showed a lack of judgment in, in that. And but he didn't say that. He said anybody that casts aspersions on me for this uh, is attacking my character, and that's really sad. All he had, all I'm saying is that that the, the accountability issue and, and sort of the no excuses issue would be, you know, what I should have been more aware of that. I should not have worn that shirt, and I regret doing it. And I'm sorry. It's not that, that's that's all. That's all I was saying. And uh, and that's all I continue to say. I stand by it. That would have been easy to deal with. But instead, you had a 14 minute sort of rambling. Uh, my program is being attacked. My character is being attacked. And, and nobody was attacking his character. They were questioning his judgment in these issues. And same thing with the handling in 2017 with his assistant coach uh, of the, the the repeating of the of the slur. Um, it would have been it would have been so hard to say, uh, you know, I may not have handled that as well as it should have been handled, maybe with the whole team, maybe there should have been discipline. Uh, and and uh, I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge that it was hurtful uh, to to at least one of my players who brought that to the fore. That wasn't reported by some enterprising young reporter. It was a former player that brought that out. Uh, a young man named Canyon Tuttle, whose father, Perry Tuttle, was a, you know, has been a Clemson hero on their 81 championship team. So it, 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 that whole thing was, was, I thought the 14 minutes was, um, there were some really good parts of it, but, but that was my only point was, was I, I, th I thought it fell short on, on that level. It's great to talk to you as always, Jay. We appreciate your time. Uh, you can now take off your suit and tie. 
it, these are my pajamas. I wear them all day during the coronavirus pandemic. I love it. Even when you work out, you wear that. You're incredible. I don't work out. Why, why would I do that? That's obvious. Jay Billis, ESPN <laughs> College Basketball Analyst. <laughs> we'll take a break. Play of the day. And where Reggie Bush's Heisman is after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. We teased that we will tell you where Reggie Bush's Heisman is. And I was correcting Jay Billis. If you go to the Heisman page, then the, the list there, 2005 is vacated. There is no winner there. And he was stripped. They didn't give it to Vince Young. Reggie Bush had his Heisman stripped. And the, the Heisman committee sent a prepaid shipping box for him to send his Heisman back because it was in San Diego. And I think USC sent their Heisman back. You know, the school gets one, the individual gets one. And the school sent their Reggie Bush Heisman back to the Heisman Trust. Paulie, I was told that Reggie Bush's Heisman just went back into circulation for somebody may have Reggie Bush's Heisman. They just took his plaque off of it and put a new one on it. So the backstory, if you want the full backstory, September 2010, Reggie Bush by the NCAA was declared an ineligible athlete for the 2005 season. USC was stripped of the everything for the 2005 season. The Heisman Trust, which runs the Heisman Trophy Award in September of 2010, said as a result of Reggie Bush's decision to forfeit the title, we're forfeiting the title of Reggie Bush as a Heisman winner. The trustees have determined there will be no Heisman winner 05. The Heisman Trust expected Reggie Bush to send the Heisman Trophy back. USC and Pat Hayden, the athletic director at the time, they sent their version, because there's two every year. The school gets one and the athlete gets one. They sent it back. Four months later, December, four months after Reggie Bush was stripped of the Heisman title, they still hadn't received the trophy and they were trying to get a hold of Reggie Bush, and they went through his agent, and he, the agent kept saying, it'll be there, it'll be there. As of July, the next summer, Reggie Bush had still not sent the Heisman Trophy back to the Heisman Trust, and it came out that he hadn't. Reggie Bush's family stored, air quotes, the Heisman Trophy at the uh, San Diego Hall of Champions, like a little sports um, history museum in San Diego. It was sitting under the desk of someone at the San Diego Hall of Champions for months on end, and we found out it was there. And then the Heisman Trust said, we have to have this back. It's, you've, you've vacated it. Eventually, Reggie Bush, about 10 months later, did send the Heisman Trophy back to the Heisman Trust. At the time the Heisman Trust got the trophy back, the person there, who I can't give his name, told me, I asked, I go, so what is it going to be? Just you're going to put it in storage? And this person told me, no, we don't have hundreds of Heismans here. They're an expensive product. It costs a lot of money. It, it will likely go back in the rotation and be used in the future at a Heisman Trophy ceremony, either to a school or to an athlete or to ESPN to use on their set, but it, it won't just go in a storage facility. There are multiple reports out there that it did go to a storage facility with other Heisman Trophy memorabilia that they have in downtown Manhattan. So mixed reports. I was told that it would be going back in the rotation at the time. Recently, they've said that it's in a storage facility the Heisman Trust has in lower Manhattan. Well, can we check and see? I if have. Some, oh, we did. And okay. I haven't heard back. Because that would be a cooler story if somebody has Reggie Bush's Heisman, they just put a different name on Which is what I was told at the time yeah, was going to happen. Thought. That's my thought. Because I don't know how much those cost. But, you know, I'm speaking of this like, hey, anybody has a Heisman. We actually have one. We have Carson. <laughs> Carson Palmer's Heisman is here that he sent to us. 
But I don't know what those cost to make, but I'm going to guess a pretty penny. I'm curious what the audience thinks. I'm okay with Reggie Bush getting his Heisman back. Because I, I know they, 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 they penalized USC. They were way over-aggressive in how they penalized USC. Unfairly penalized USC. He did, he did win that Heisman. He is declared in NCAA history an ineligible player. I know, I know. I'm not I know. advocating either side, but he is declared an ineligible player. Yeah. It's just I know what I saw, and he won the Heisman. I don't think the Heisman Trust is going to give it back to him. You know, USC may welcome him back and retire his jersey. I don't think the Heisman Trust. Does anybody think Reggie Bush deserves the Heisman Trophy? Oh, everybody but Pauline. You you do? Deserves? Well. It's tough because I'm, I'm a, there is a rule in place that he chose not to follow. See, and, why do you think Reggie Bush deserves it? Well, for everything that you said, I mean, we watched the games. He won the trophy. Yeah. McLevin? The rules he broke were stupid. That doesn't mean anything to me. Just like Jay Bills kind of said. Fritzy? Yeah, I don't, I don't love the rules, and he earned it, and he should, uh, he should have his Heisman. Yeah, I don't think so he... then we can't be mad at Zion Williamson or Duke for breaking the rules, and we can't rail against them. Well, a Duke fan might be mad if they get stripped of something or get on probation. One more item as we close out the first hour. Traeger, biggest sale of the year, Father's Day right around the corner. And you might want to drop a hint. You can get $100 off 